Scripture lesson this morning is taken from John chapter 20 verses 10 to 18. Verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, but I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am descending to my Father, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples of the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we are very uh, glad to have Reverend Lenita to preach to us. I have seen the Lord. Thank you, Brother David. Blessed Easter. He is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. And before I begin, I just want to acknowledge in our presence uh, members from our daughter church, uh, Living Hope Methodist Church. You are, many of you are worshipping with us this morning, and so if you could just wave so that we know, right, these uh, are, uh, yes, members of the uh, Living Hope Methodist Church. We welcome you home to worship with us. And of course, a very, uh, two very special person that I want to welcome this morning. Some of you may not know. David and Jim Ping. Really, really good to see both of you. We continue to pray for Jim Ping and we pray, uh, we remember them in our prayer. All right. And so let's go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, what a joy it is, God, when your children are gathered together, and especially on this day when we celebrate you, Lord Jesus, having risen from the dead. We thank you, Lord, because you defeated death. You gave us eternal life. You gave us hope beyond the grave, and you gave us um, uh, this promise that, Lord, when we all leave this earth, we are going to be with you. And so, Father, we want to ask of you to be here with us, speak to us, lead us, guide us as we listen to your word being preached, as we commit this time into your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you look at the slide, there I have 2021. Where were you last year, Easter Sunday? Here? There were only 15 people here in church on Easter Sunday last year. It was only the multimedia team. What about 2020? 
Easter Sunday. Where were you? Did I hear home? Yes. And so friends, this is indeed a very special Sunday. Very special Easter Sunday. First time in three years. We are gathered here. Some of you here. Others are still online. We gathered here to celebrate Easter Sunday. Amen? All glory to God. His grace has sustained us. And so if you remember in 2020, our Easter Sunday was this. Reverend Wu preaching from Cebu. Remember, we joined in the live streaming from uh, Muslim Church in Cebu. And I posted this. I said, the church is empty. The tomb is empty. He is risen. The church is empty. He has sent us. And then last year, we had a combined English district Holy Week services. And so there were only 15 people here on Easter Sunday to help with the streaming. And I preach the women at the tomb. And so friends, today as we look at the empty tomb, as we remember the passage that was read for us just now, it was Mary Magdalene who said, I have seen the Lord. After she had seen the empty tomb, after she had seen the resurrected Lord, she was the one who first said these words, I have seen the Lord. Who is Mary Magdalene? Last week when I preached about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, I reminded you that whenever there's an incident in the Bible, go look and see whether it's recorded in one, two, three, or four Gospels. The triumphant entry is recorded in all four Gospels, whereas the birth of Christ is only recorded in two. Now, today, as we look at the four Gospels again, we look at Matthew. Matthew 28 says, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices. Should be brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women. No names mentioned, but the women. And then, of course, the text that we're looking at today, John chapter 20, verse 1 early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Don't you think it is odd that for such an important event, the empty tomb, the risen Lord, God used a group of incredible or, uh, or uh, 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 women who are not credible witnesses to go and be his witnesses. And so even in Luke chapter 24, when he Luke only mentioned the women, then later on he says, but they did not believe the women. And yet God chose a group of women to be there at the tomb to see the empty tomb. Now in the ministry of Jesus, he ministered to a number of women, some with names, some without names. And so here I've simply chosen about four pictures to remind you. The women at the well, the Samaritan women, does she have a name? 
No names mentioned. What about the adulterous woman, the one who was caught in adultery? Any name? No name. The women sitting there at the feet of Jesus while the sister was busy in the kitchen, does she have a name? Yes, her name is Mary. Now, to identify the, very, the many Marys, she's often known as Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And then what about the other women up there who broke a jar of expensive perfume to anoint the feet of Jesus? Does she have a name? No, she doesn't have a name. But she's a sinful woman. So in Luke only records her as a sinful woman. Now, in the year 591, Pope Gregory declared that this sinful woman, or otherwise known as the prostitute, was in fact Mary Magdalene. And the Pope also declared that Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany are the same person. Right? And so this is how um, Mary Magdalene is often known as the sinful woman, the prostitute. Now, those of you who watch movies or read uh, 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 Dan Brown's novel, The Da Vinci Code, who is Mary Magdalene? She's the wife of Jesus, right? And then in the Michelangelo painting of The Last Supper, the person sitting next to Jesus with long hair, that's his wife, that's Mary Magdalene. And so friends, if you listen to all this, if you look at all of this, you would know that Mary Magdalene is such a controversial person. Christians and non-Christians are fascinated about her. Who is she? Who is this woman? But friends, as evangelical Christians, what do we do? We go back to the Bible and find out who she is. Who is this Mary Magdalene? She's mentioned 12 times in the New Testament. Other women, when their names are mentioned, they will always qualify, okay? There's a description attached. Mary, mother of someone, Mary, wife of someone, or Mary of Bethany, sister of Martha and Lazarus. But what about Mary Magdalene? Nothing. Just plain Mary Magdalene. And in fact, she's actually from Magdala, a small fishing village near the Sea of Galilee. And so some Bible scholars said actually Magdalene is not her second name. It's actually Mary of Magdala, like Jesus of Nazareth, Simon of Cyrene. But over time, Mary of Magdala became Mary Magdalene. And that's who she is. She is not the prostitute, the sinful woman. She is not the wife of Jesus. And she is not Mary of Bethany. But who is she? Why did God choose this woman to be the first witness? Now, there were other women there, but no names, or just Mary and so on. But why Mary Magdalene? What is so special about her? So this morning, I just want to look at the life of Mary Magdalene 
and see what we can learn from her. Who is Mary Magdalene? In Luke chapter 8, it says that when Jesus went about from one village and town to another, proclaiming the good news, the twelve were with him and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. So there's this group of women who have been cured. Of all the women who have been cured, only one person's name is mentioned. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Friends, how many of you have seen a person possessed by evil spirit? One is enough. Can you imagine seven demons in her? What kind of life did she live before she met Jesus? What kind of pain and suffering and rejection she must have gone through all those years in bondage, rejected, suffering. And when she encountered the Lord, the Lord drove the seven demons out of her. And then she followed him from town to town, from village to village, and then it says, uh, Luke records for us, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. And so friends, this is one woman whose life was completely transformed by her encounter with the Lord Jesus. And so it is no wonder when we come to John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, although only Mary's name was mentioned, but if you read on to verse 2, when she went back and told uh, Simon Peter, she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know. And so that means she is speaking on behalf of a group of women. And as we look at the other Gospels, we know that there were other women with her. And so while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went out with a group of women. And we know the setting. Now on Monday, Thursday, Reverend Ding preached about uh, Peter, how he was afraid and he followed Jesus at a distance, when Jesus was arrested in a garden, they took him to the uh, house of the high, high priest. Peter followed at a distance because he was afraid. John was with Jesus and went into the home of the high priest. And so after service on Thursday, I asked the Reverend Thing, I said, why wasn't John afraid to die? Peter was afraid to die. What about John? And so this morning, I would ask the same question. Why isn't Mary afraid to die? Now, we always say the word kiasi, kiasu, kiakui, right? Afraid of ghosts, it is dark. Somebody has just died and you're going to the tomb. Wasn't she afraid at all? If the soldiers would catch her, you can imagine what would happen to her. And so friends, as you think about it, why wasn't she afraid at all? What's your answer? I'm sure many of you here, when you were younger, you played the game. Um, 
the eagle going to catch the little chicks, right? Remember? And so there's a mother hen with the hands stretched out and the little kids, all your friends will be behind you. And there's one who is an eagle uh, trying to catch the little chicks. And so the mother hen would be trying to protect. Now imagine it is in real life. If an eagle is to come and try to catch a little chick, what do you think the mother hen would do? Would she be worried about how she would die? Would she be worried about how if the eagle bite her, she would bleed to death? Her love for her little cheeks would overcome her fear of death. Now many of us here, we have made a commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and especially on this Easter Sunday, we know that Christ is risen and so when it comes to our turn to leave this world, we know where we're going. Many of us would say, I'm not afraid of death. But many of us are afraid of the process of death. How do we die? Is it going to be painful? Is it going to be difficult? Is it going to be long? Would we have lost our minds, we have lost the use of our limbs, we would be worried about the process of death. But friends, in John chapter 13, it is written that it was before the Passover festival and Jesus knew he was going to die. And then John writes for us, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus' deep love for the people, helped him, prompted him to overcome the fear of a painful death. And so just as the mother hen would give up her life for her cheeks, many of us here today as parents, without the blinking of an eye, without a thought, we would give up our lives for our children. And children here, again, many of us will be willing to lay down our lives for our parents, siblings, friends. If our love is deep enough, we would not think about the process of death. We will not think twice about giving up our life for the one that we love. And so it's the same for Mary Magdalene. That morning when she woke up, before she walked out of the door, was she thinking, hmm, what if the soldiers catch me? Would they flog me? Would I bleed to death? Would I be in jail? Would I be without food and water? Hmm, maybe I'll think twice about going out. Was that Mary Magdalene? Her deep love for the Lord prompted her, helped her overcome that fear so she was able to step out of the house to go and do what she had to do. As I said, Mary Magdalene had gone around with Jesus from town to town, from village to village. Now in the first century, Israel is no, no fun. It was hot, it was dusty, 
And so can you imagine these women of some means giving up the comfort of home to walk around, to go around with this teacher? And yet, because of that, she had the ringside view of all that Jesus did, all his miracles, all that he taught. And she experienced and she saw all of this. And so out of her deep love for her teacher, she stepped out that morning to do what she knew she had to do. Now, nobody expected, not the disciples, not Mary, not the women, nobody expected Jesus to rise from the dead. And so here in John chapter 20, verse 4, Peter and John both ran to the empty tomb. And the Bible tells us, that uh, Peter stood outside the, the tomb. But John went in. And so verse 8, he says that, well, the other disciples, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. Then John added, they still did not understand. Why is the tomb empty? What happened to the body? They didn't understand. And then what did they do? They walked away and they went home. But what about Mary? Mary stayed back. She was outside the tomb crying. And then when she saw two angels, what a sight to see angels, not one but two. But yet what did Mary do? She asked the same question. They have taken my Lord's body. Where is it? Earlier on, she asked the same question. When she went back to call Peter and John, she also said, they've taken the Lord's body. I don't know where is it. Or we don't know where is it. Now she's alone. So she said, I don't know where is it. Where's my Lord's body? And then when she thought it was the gardener, she asked the same question. If you have carried him away, where did you put him? I need to go and take his body. She asked the same question three times. Her concern was, where was the body? Why did she want to look for the body? And in fact, when she told the gardener, tell me where you put him, I will go and get him. She's a woman. How would she carry a corpse? She can't. But yet, all that she wanted to do that morning was to come and do what she is supposed to do. In Matthew, it says that some women were watching Jesus from the, as he died on the cross. And among them, Matthew wrote, among them, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's son. And then after that, after Jesus died, when the body was taken down by Joseph and Nicodemus, they took it and laid him in the tomb. And 61, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary were there. They had to go find out where the body was. And so early in the morning, Mary had to go, as is the religious requirement, to embalm the body of Jesus. They had no time to do it because it was going to be Sabbath. And so here, Mary out of her love 
for her teacher. She had a religious duty that she must do. And so that is so important. Three times she asked the same question, where is the body? I need the body. I need to do what I have to do. Whether it was to the disciples or to the angels and even to the Lord Jesus himself. Mary's focus was just to get her religious duty done. Many of us are like that, isn't it? That in our blind focus on our duties, we don't see angels. We don't even see the Lord. All that we want to know is, where is it? Where is the body? I need to get this done. Friends, that's Mary Magdalene. And we need to learn not to do that. I have an auntie here in Kuching. She's 88 years old. Her husband passed away a few years ago. She's got three adult children and they live and work overseas. They're all doing very well. But my auntie is a mom and a grandmom. And so what's the job of a mother and a grandmother? What's the main focus? Worry. She worries and worries and worries for her children, for her grandchildren, and oftentimes spend a lot of sleepless nights worrying. And recently she told me this story, what the Lord spoke to her. She said the story is about a man, a farmer, who was carrying a sack of potatoes, walking to the market. And as he walked along, a lorry came by and offered the farmer a lift. The farmer got on the lorry and along they went to the market. But when the driver looked around in the rearview mirror, the farmer was standing at the back of the lorry, but where's the sack of potatoes? Still on his shoulders. And so my auntie tells me, I'm still carrying my potatoes. And so now and then when I call her and ask her how she's doing, I would ask her, where's your potatoes now? Where's the sack of potatoes? On the floor of the lorry or still on your back? The blind focus of what we need to do, of our duties, very often will blind us from seeing angels or from seeing even the risen Lord. It was until Jesus had to call Mary by name. Mary. She turned around and called him Rabboni, which means teacher. And then Jesus says to her, Don't hold on to me because I have not ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. And then, what did Mary do? In verse 18, she went to the disciples with the news and said, I have seen the Lord. Seeing the empty tomb wasn't enough. We all know about the empty tomb. But have we seen the risen Lord? 
Have we heard His voice calling each one of us by name? And in fact, if you look carefully, Mary called Jesus Rabboni, teacher. And then in verse 18, when she went to tell the disciples, she did not say, I have seen the teacher. What did she say? I have seen the Lord. The word Lord in Greek is kurio, which actually means an owner, a master, who has absolute rights. That's who the Lord is or was to Mary. Mary knew and understood who is the boss, who's her Lord and master. And so friends, as you look at the life of Mary Magdalene, with all that is happening around, this person, Daniel Darling, when he wrote this book, The Characters of Easter, he says, while the religious men sought to kill Jesus, while the scribe paused over the scriptures, while the Roman dismissed the movement, who is this? The frail and troubled Mary Magdalene believed. Having seen the risen Lord, having heard the Lord call her by name, walk her out from the blindness, then she became a determined witness. In the days of the first century, women, like I said, are not credible witnesses. You don't listen when a woman gave any testimony or witness. And yet that didn't deter her. She ran back to the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And so what do we have of Mary Magdalene? From a deep love to blind duty. And finally, to a determined witness. Not just a determined witness, but immediate response. Friends, what about us? This morning, we all know the empty tomb. And for many, many of us, we have seen and experienced the risen Lord. But what is it to us? It's an amazing Holy Week for me personally. This past week, I've known of two of our church members who have gone out to be witnesses and have led two persons to make commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ separately. Just two different persons, I got to know about it. And then in the past two days, I've got two text messages from two adults now two different churches, no, they're from different churches. They were young people when I got to know them. First generation Christian in their own respective families. Facing great opposition and persecution for their faith. But they persevered. And this week, that's why I'm surprised that, you know, two different persons just texted me and said, Pastor, my father is getting baptized on Easter Sunday. I just rejoice that for these two adult men now, they have persevered. They have lived their lives as witnesses, not just to the empty tomb, 
but through the risen Lord. And that through their lives, their fathers have been blessed. I look forward to hearing news of their mothers getting baptized. But today, that's what's happening in two different churches. And so what about us? Easter Sunday is the day that we proclaim the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. But has that got anything to do with the way we live our lives? Has that got anything to spur us to move from deep love to blind duty and to determined witnesses? My prayer for all of us is that we will. Go forth, friends, and tell someone your experience, your encounter with the risen Lord and declare, I have seen the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we want to give thanks to you, God, for the life of Mary Magdalene. She's so much a reflection of our lives, from a messy, oppressed, suffering past. Lord, you set us free to be called your children. You've allowed us to see you at work in our own lives and in the lives of other people. You have also allowed us to know of the empty tomb, to have the hope of eternal life. We have also encountered the risen Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you help each one of us to be like Mary Magdalene, to be a determined witness so that many more will be able to hear of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.